Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, the San Diego Goals continue their playoff push, and how did the trade deadline affect the goals? Find out on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday. It is a goals day. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, your daily podcast covering the OC's hockey team, except for today, where we're covering the San Diego Goals, the Ducks AHL affiliate. Don't forget, you'll get fresh daily content Monday through Friday. And make sure to like, comment, rate, subscribe if you have not already. Also, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And also, Twitter time. Check us out at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. Last week, the San Diego Goals tried to continue their winning ways against some of the, well, I guess I should say the AHL Pacific Division's bottom feeders because last weekend they played the Bakersfield Condors and the San Jose Barracuda. Both of those teams are outside the playoff picture. Neither team is probably going to make it. Previously, the San Diego Goals had defeated the Stockton Heat 3-2. That was the previous Wednesday. So the Goals would look to continue, or rather start a new winning streak, which at the time was only at one. So let's kick things off with the game that happened last Friday night at Bakersfield. And really, it was San Diego coming out to a very fast start right away, and they did not look back. Keegan Kanzig was the new player for the San Diego Goals. He just got signed on recently, and he came out in a big way, getting on a nice fight with Anthony Peluso. No winners on that fight, but San Diego, they had 18 shots on goal in that first period. They scored two goals in that first period, one of which was scored by Alex Broadhurst, his eighth of the season. And then the second goal of the game was scored by Max Comtois. Comtois got his fifth goal of the season as a member of San Diego to put the goals up to nothing. We move over to the second period. And guess what the goals did once again? You've heard this several times already this season. But San Diego scored once again on the penalty kill. On a penalty Served by Max Comtois, so I guess give Max Comtois some more credit for this one. Uh, He got called for interference at the end of the first period. So San Diego began the second period on the penalty kill, and would you believe it would pay off yet again? Antoine Morand got his fifth goal of the season, a nice shorthanded backhand, to make it 3-0 San Diego. They really just came out strong. What happened? They put their pedal to the accelerator and did not look back. 3 nothing right away. Bo Starrett got his first of the season for Bakersfield. I guess. San Diego may have gotten a little bit lazy for maybe a 2-3 to three minute stretch. But that was it. That was the only lapse for the goals. They played a pretty much complete game at Bakersfield. In the third period, Blake Pietola got his 11th of the season. Very, very sick play. To make it 4-1 to one, San Diego, that would be their final score at Bakersfield. What I liked about this game was that first period, they came out very strong. They were making the correct passes. They were making the precise passes. They were not content to just let Bakersfield go deep in their zone. No, they were not content with that at all. In fact, in that first period, San Diego, you know, they had a lot of their shots in the danger zone. There was maybe six or seven shots that was near the goal crease, 
And both of those goals were from right along that goal crease. So San Diego did a good job of crashing the net and really putting a ton of pressure on Skinner. Sorry, that's my Simpsons impression there of, oh, I'm I'm a big Simpsons fan. And I've always liked the rapport between Principal Skinner and Super Nintendo Chalmers, otherwise known as Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> so really, Skinner had so much pressure put on him early on. And San Diego did not let up throughout the entire game. So credit the goals for really just crashing the net and not being afraid to get hit down in that level. They were taking the hits. They were giving the hits. They weren't afraid. This is a San Diego goals team that the fans want to see. They want to see smart passing, smart playing, and really just playing a not afraid to be physical style of play. That is how you win several games. So that would extend the goals winning streak to two games. I'm not going to talk about Saturday's game too much on this segment because it could take forever and we would be going right up against the break. So I just want to point out a couple of things. The trade deadline was this past Monday and the goals did lose a couple of key pieces. They lost Daniel Sprong to the Washington Capitals. And frankly, I don't mind that trade. I think it's a good trade. You know, the Ducks... You know, took a little bit of a salary hit. They lost 175k in cap space because Christian Juice had it adjusted for his time in the minor leagues. So the goals really, they had addition by subtraction, I guess, because Daniel Sprung has not had that impressive of a run recently. On Friday night's game, Daniel Sprung, he had a couple of decent shots, but just nothing was falling for him. He felt a little bit. It seemed like he felt a little bit out of place on Friday, and it looked even worse on Saturday. This isn't so much foreshadowing, but Sprong did not have a good weekend. I mean, he had a couple of really bad penalties. The third period of Saturday's game, he looked even worse. So to say that he's been kind of a disappointment for Anaheim and even San Diego, that is a slight under... No, actually, that is a slight understatement because... Sprong has had some great moments in San Diego this season, but maybe it's one of those things where he just needs a change of scenery. Because in 39 games with the goals, he had an 11, a minus 11 rating, which is the worst on the roster as of current. And really, there's no one even close to him as far as plus minus goes. You know, Troy Terry was a plus 10. The only player that's kind of close was Corey Tropp with a minus 6, but that's it. If you have a minus 11, you know, that's not, it doesn't look good. I'll say that. He had a lot of dumb penalties recently. That's not good either. The fact that he wasn't taking any of those, you know, in deep shot chances, that's not good either. So Sprung has had a recent spell of less than stellar play for the goals. And I think this could be a good trade for the Ducks organization as a whole. Before we head into the first intermission, I want to tell you how you can make your local business work for you with Locked On Anaheim Ducks. If you've been a listener of this podcast, then congratulations, you're awesome. I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Anaheim Ducks, or in this case, Locked On Goals, is a great way for your local business to reach passionate goals fans just like you. 
Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with other Goals fans from San Diego and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses, especially in San Diego. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it is still Thursday. We're still talking about the San Diego goals, and I didn't talk about Saturday's game because that could take up an entire segment. The goals were that dominant Saturday night at Pechanga Arena, and in case you guys missed it, it was country night at Pechanga Arena. There was 11,749 packed into Pechanga Arena to watch the San Diego goals. And really, the crowd was completely on fire from the get-go. It was a 7.30 start time. There was a block party. There was the amazing hat giveaway. The parking lot had a bull there. Just all kinds of fun happening at Pechanga Arena. I've said this many, many times. If you guys live in Orange County or you're Ducks fans, do it. Go down to San Diego, check out a goals game or two or five. They do a great job with fan interaction. You got Gulliver down there. Wild Wing shows up at Pachanga Arena once in a while. I'm sure when the Ducks, you know, finally end their season. And let's face it, the Ducks season is going to end mercifully. They're not going to make the playoffs. Wild Wing shows up down there once in a while. Willie O'Ree, he lives very close to the arena. Willie O'Ree has shown up. At Pechanga Arena time after time. His number is retired. His number 20 is retired for crying out loud. Really, you guys would do yourselves a favor by checking out a goals game. It's fun, awesome food, great promotions. All right, I'm done talking about that. Saturday night when the puck finally dropped, the goals just came out firing. And, you know, there was some tic-tac-toe action in the first period as well. Maxime Comtois got his sixth goal of the season on apples from Chase DeLeo and Chris Weidman to make it 1-0. Oh, but they weren't done yet. With about eight and a half minutes left, Isaac Lundestrom would get his fifth goal of the season to make it 2-0 San Diego. They just came out strong. And then only a minute after that, Chris Mueller ripped one from the blue line. It was a blistering shot from a long way out. Mueller gets his 17th goal of the season to make it 3-0 San Diego already. Right away, the goals fans were getting their chants on. They were chanting left and right. It seemed like it would not stop. And they were relentless in their abuse of the Barracuda goaltender, Yosef Koronar. Yeah, it was that bad. If you're, if you're a Barracuda fan, it was that bad. If you're a goals fan, you had a blast. Oh yeah, that's another reason to go down to San Diego, Ducks fans. They have some amazing chanting going on. You know, they have their 
How much time is left? One minute. Thank you. Second period. <laughs> it continued. Max Comtois got his second goal of the night. On assist from Alex Broadhurst and Chase DeLeo, remember him, making it 4 nothing San Diego. This one was not close, and you could hear the chants get louder. One, two, three, four. And they didn't really get to chant that fifth goal, so here's what they said. They said, hey, Coronar, one, two, three, four. It's all your fault. You suck, loser. Just in case you guys were wondering, that is the chant that they have at Pachanga Arena. So if you guys want to join them on the next goals game, there it is. That is the basis of your chant. They say, hey, the goalie's name, they count the number of goals he is allowed. Then they say, it's all your fault. You suck, loser. It's very reminiscent of the Nashville Predators chanting that goes on at Bridgestone Arena. And Smashville, by the way, is a total treat to go to. But anyway, back to the game. San Jose allowed, you know, themselves to get back in the game. Gregoire got his fifth of the season. Jeffrey Veal, on an unassisted play, made it 4-2 to San Jose, but not before Sam Carrick beat the buzzer on the power play. Maxime Letinoff got a delay of game for a face-off violation, and it went over to the power play. And that power play unit once again pulled through. Sam Carrick with only about five seconds left. He scores his 20th goal of the season to make it 5-2 to two San Diego. Assists from Comtois and Broadhurst, and that's Comtois' third point of the game. Something else that's very positive for San Diego in that particular game. Most of San Diego's shots were in close, or a couple of them were very powerful shots from the blue line. For San Jose... Almost the majority of their shots in the first two period were from the perimeter. In the first period, you know, more than half their shots came from the blue line and a couple others after that were also on bad angles. So they were not high quality shots. In the second period, not much better. Most of their shots came from their point. Actually, six of their shots in that period came directly from the point. That is not going to get it done. The only reason San Jose got one of those goals is on a tap-in from just inside the crease. So that's San Jose trying to battle back in. But really, when you have the majority of your shots from the perimeter, the defense is doing something good. And San Diego's defense was on their game, save for maybe a couple minutes, where, again, they, they've done this several times this season. They've relaxed for a few minutes once they get a big, comfortable lead. The goals want to play a complete 60-minute game, even a 57-minute game is okay as long as you have a big lead, but you want to try to play as complete of a game as possible. And I haven't even finished talking about this game either. Third period, both, well, really, San Jose got a nice power play, and Daniel Sprong went in the box twice, once for tripping, once for cross-checking. On that second power play that San Jose had, they pulled their goalie. So they were really 6-on-4, and on that power play... With about a minute and change left, Sasha Chemlevsky got his ninth goal of the season to cut the lead down to 5-3. to three. So San Jose still had a chance. They cleared the goal once again, but right off the faceoff, San Diego had control. And on an empty net, Blake Pietela scores the goal to put it away. The final score would be San Diego 6, San Jose 3. Shots on goal. San Jose did outshoot the goals 37-35. to 35. 
but most of those shots for San Jose came late, and they were mostly from the perimeter. San Diego did kind of ease up on the throttle slightly. They didn't shoot the puck as much. They played a little bit more keep away. As far as power plays goal, San Jose was 1-for-3. San Diego was 1-for-1. They had one power play, and they took advantage right at the buzzer. So great job all around by San Diego. Once they got off to that big lead, they kind of nursed it, kept that lead, and really another great win for San Diego. At the time, that was their third victory in a row. And coming up after the second intermission, we'll talk about last night's game and how the trades affect the goals moving forward. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we continue to talk about the San Diego goals. It is Thursday. It is goals day. One more game I did not talk about, and the more I talk about it, the worse it is, so I won't talk much about it. San Diego went into Tucson last night and pretty much did not play a good game. In fact, San Diego did play a decent game, but Tucson was a very desperate team because at the time they were second in the division. They're in danger of falling to third in the division. Remember when Tucson had a massive lead in the Pacific Division? They were ahead by a bunch of points. They only had six losses at the time. Yeah, those days are gone. San Diego had to go in there and try to outperform a team that was incredibly desperate for a win. And we're talking very desperate because there was once upon a time where Tucson only had six losses. Now they have 17 losses. They've been struggling. So they're trying to find their place in the division. And they did just that. I would say this was more about Tucson than it was about San Diego, just from my opinion. San Diego did come out kind of flat in the first period, but so did Tucson for that matter. Both teams really came out, you know, just trying to find their place in the game. Several shots were coming from the point. San Diego only had a few chances, you know, that were inside the blue line. Tucson was even worse. Tucson, most of their shots were from the point from the blue line. They only had two, they had one chance close in. Yeah, Tucson had one chance close in. That came from Jeremy Gregoire, and that was it. San Diego should have gotten a goal in that first period. They had some better shot opportunities up close. Uh, Chris Mueller had a couple of very decent chances up close during the period, but nothing would just fall in. And for Tucson to only have that one chance, Tucson was damn lucky to not allow any goals in that first period. They took complete advantage of the fact that San Diego didn't score because in that second period, Cam Deneen would score his fifth of the season to make it a one nothing game. San Diego came back and tied it up later on. Sam Carrick got his 21st goal of the season to tie things up at one, but it was all Tucson from there, and they began to just pile it on. Bo Bennett got his 11th of the season. Then in the third, Hudson Fashion got his 19th of the season. Then Michael Chaput got his 16th of the season. Final score was 4-1 to one on that one. San Diego did outshoot Tucson 12-9 in the first, but after that, Tucson completely turned on the accelerator. Tucson played the kind of game that they played in the first three months of the season. They completely dominated both ends of the ice. They outshot San Diego 15-4. to San Diego didn't look flat for what it's worth. Tucson just looked like the unstoppable team that they were in November and in December. 
This was a team that the rest of the league was used to seeing, you know, early on. And keep in mind, San Diego has beaten this Tucson team several times. One game does not make panic, if you know what I mean. Uh, San Diego did outshoot Tucson 14-8 in the third, but by then, you know, it was still Tucson rolling. Most of San Diego's shots came at the very end of the game when it was kind of just garbage time. But that's the way that's the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes you run into a desperate team, a team that you know is capable of putting up big games like this, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Michael Bunting, he had a pretty good game. Michael Shapu, he had a great game. Fashing had a very good game. Not really talked about too much, but Robbie Russo had a very good game defensively. And Bo Bennett got the goal, obviously. Tucson just played a much better game. As far as the newcomers for San Diego, there was a couple of them. Kyle Criscuolo. Yeah, he looked okay out there. I mean, he was skating all right. Joel Person, number 38 for San Diego. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of honesty hour here. Person just didn't look right in his role. He didn't look like he was in tune with the rest of the team in his goals debut. Uh, Person was probably the most disappointing of the two. Chris Quillo at least has good speed, but he was okay. Uh, Troy Terry came back to San Diego. Oh boy, he looked very lost out there. The The goals looked, they didn't look completely lost. You know, their two lines were still good. But there was a couple players that had just come in. I think they need to get back to getting in the flow of things with the rest of the team. Um, and this is very important. With the trades that just happened, there had to be some you know, shuffling of roles and some shuffling of who goes up, who goes down, who is eligible for the Calder Cup playoffs. Earlier in the week, Brendan Gooley and Troy Terry were sent down to San Diego And much more on what this means for San Diego. They still need to claim a playoff spot. Yes, they have two games in hand on the Ontario Reign, but they have to win those games. Sam Steele, Kiefer Sherwood. Kiefer Sherwood is currently up with Anaheim. Max Jones, David Backus, Christian Juice. They are on the list as far as paper transactions that took place earlier in the week. So... All of those guys are eligible to come back to San Diego, or rather go to San Diego. Bacchus and Juice have not played in San Diego. Obviously, Juice played in Anaheim earlier in the week. Bacchus is still a week away. But Bacchus could be on the list, but I don't think he's going to make it. Christian Juice would be on that list, so he would be eligible to play in the Calder Cup playoffs, as well as Troy Terry, Brendan Gooley, and Person. Um, they already are in San Diego. So they're going to have a stacked lineup as far as the Calder Cup playoffs go. And here's most of the list, if not all of the list, as far as players eligible for the Calder Cup playoffs. Obviously, you have Chris Mueller. He's with San Diego. Benoit. Chris Weidman is available. Antoine Morand. Justin Kloos. Chase DeLeo. Alex Broadhurst. Yanni Hockenpah. They're all available. Blake Pietola is available. Christian Juice is available. Kyle Criscolo, he's down with San Diego right now. Sam Carrick, of course. Lundestrom's available. Mahura's available. Josh Mahura is another player that was with the Ducks earlier on the season. He had some pretty good, you know, shifts out there. 
Mahura could be very good defensively for San Diego down the line. Alex Dosti, Kiefer Sherwood should be back down with San Diego as soon as Anaheim season ends, and Sherwood would help with that playoff push. Jack Kapaka, I guess he'd be available. Scott Moldenhauer should be available as well, as well as Joel Person, although Person has to make that final cut. Uh, Person did not look impressive at all, so I don't even know if he makes the playoff roster the final 20, but at least he is eligible. Comtois would be available. So would Brendan Gooley. Uh, Corey Trapp would be available. Then you have a bunch of other guys. Troy Terry would be available. Max Jones, he should be available. And in fact, could be eligible to play down for the goals in the playoffs. So you've got a bunch of these fantastic players that San Diego could have available for them in the coming few weeks. I don't know if they're all going to go down to San Diego right away because Anaheim made a bunch of trades. And really, with someone else going out now, Hampus Lindholm, he's going to be out for at least the next game. You have to have someone fill in that spot. So expect to see some of those guys come back to San Diego later on this season. And with that, I think it's a good place to wrap things up. Next week, San Diego only has two games on the schedule. That takes place Friday and Saturday. Friday, San Diego is at Stockton. They're currently in first place by percentage points. And then the following day, they play at the Shark Tank. Or sorry, the Baby Shark Tank as they take on the San Jose Barracuda. Friday's game is a 7 o'clock start at Stockton. Saturday's game is a 1.15 start time at the Shark Tank. So if you guys are in the Bay Area, keep track of those times. Only two games, no midweek games for the first time in a while. So expect a very good breakdown as far as some fancy. Maybe I'll throw in some fancy stats there, but there will be more of a breakdown as far as other statistics go for the San Diego goals. Expect that on next Thursday's show. I want to remind you that you can hear this podcast or any of the previous shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally on Twitter at StimpyJD. I want to thank you all once again for listening and thank you to all the listeners that always leave comments. You guys are awesome. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, or in this case, Locked On Goals, I'm Jason JD Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. I'll see you at the arena. And stay classy, San Diego.